Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Fangirls Podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julie, and we are so excited to dish and spill the tea today. So on New Year's Day on HBO Max, they aired the 20th harry potter reunion special and it was amazing so nostalgic it was so good it was like two hours and it just flew by yes it was it was my childhood my magical childhood summarized in two hours (laughs) basically (laughs) i loved every bit of it it was just so good to see all of them together it was again it was We'll get more into it in the tea. Yeah, it was like everything I hoped for. It didn't disappoint. I was very happy with what they presented. I'm glad so many cast members turned out for it mm-hmm. and were pumped to to reminisce about all the amazing Harry Potter memories that they had on set. So, but before we jump into that, I've been wanting to talk about this Fantastic Beast trailer that came out two weeks ago for the longest time. And now we have the perfect opportunity to chat all about it. For those of you who have not seen the Fantastic Beast trailer, it came out give or take two weeks ago. I don't know about you guys, but I am so glad to see Jude Law in that three-piece suit. Mm-hmm. How about you? Amen. Yes. And I'm so glad to see the rest of the Fantastic Beast team back on screen, coming in hot April 2022. That's yeah. what we're aiming for, folks. So yeah. We're hoping for no pushbacks on theater releases here. So that being said, you want to hit me with some questions or do you just want me to dive into it? I've got some questions. I'm really excited to see the Scamander brothers back together. If, what is his brother's name? Is it- Theseus. Theseus. That's what I thought. Theseus is smoking hot. I love them together and they really yes. do look like brothers, which is really cool. Great casting. I do have some questions like, okay. okay. So the first thing we see is the snitch, which kind of got me thinking like, what does the snitch have to do with it? And I'm thinking about when Dumbledore gave a gift to Harry mm-hmm. at the end of all the films. It's like, it opens at the end. I'm like, why are they showing the snitch at the beginning? Is that like a metaphor for this is like the end of this sort of segment or I don't know. So I'm like thinking, okay we see a snitch Mm -hmm. and then I'm wondering okay one of the things in our Harry Potter episode that came to me was I don't think Jacob is really a muggle they're still calling him a muggle I'm like is he a squib like why doesn't why don't certain charms work on him why did Dumbledore give Jacob a wand if he's not really a muggle can he do magic it was very clearly said by Theseus this is from Dumbledore and he gives Jacob the wand I think we hit the nail on the head in our previous Harry Potter episode I don't think he's a muggle I do think he is a squib and I can't help but think either this wand is from a magical ancestor of Jacob's from the past that Dumbledore possibly knew mm-hmm. or I mean my selfish want and need is for my Harry Potter ESB to check out and there to be a scene where Newt goes and looks for all the things that make up Jacob's wand not realizing that's the wand he's giving to Jacob if this wand's core is hair of the wampus cat it's just gonna get so real I can't even tell you 
Yeah. But, like I will confirm myself a psychic. Right. And I will start doing official readings, but only Harry Potter related ones. Yeah. <laughs> I can't help but think Dumbledore, Dumbledore knows more about Jacob than anybody else and or his history. And because you don't give somebody a wand if they don't know how to use it. We look at Grindelwald's in the previous Fantastic Beast, who gave Credence a wand, knowing that he had a wizarding background. But Credence didn't even know that. We are under the impression that the wand chooses the wizard. I can't help but think that Dumbledore must know who this wand either previously belonged to and its magical heritage that links to Jacob, or he had one specifically made knowing that Jacob has magical ancestry that could come into play here soon. And I'm really curious to see what that family line is right? for Jacob Kowalski. Yes. It's going to be interesting. I mean, I know he has a big part to play because then you see him at one point, he's pointing it at Queenie and there's a standoff between him and Queenie. Oh, yes. All yes. that stuff flying in the around dishes. the room. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Something's right. happening. And he's mm-hmm. like, okay. Here's my so, chance to shine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then I'm wondering, okay, when... Theseus is naming off like the group of people who are about to take on like the baddest wizard in history. Mm-hmm. They show he's naming them off and then it's showing them like the, the new girl who they say she's a school teacher. And then there's a guy and they say a wizard descended from a very old family. Yes. I'm like, are these the Rosiers? So Lou Lolly Hicks is actually a teacher from Evil Morning. Okay. American so you school. know what her name is. Yes. Didn't say her name. Yes. Lou Lolly Hicks. She's a teacher from Evil Morning School. Mm-hmm. She's actually a very good friend of Nicholas Flamel, and she actually made a very tiny cameo in the previous oh, that's Fantastic right. Beast movie. Okay, and he's asking her, he goes to the book and looks at her picture. Correct. And Correct. she, okay, and then who's the other guy? Yusuf. Oh, Lestrange. Okay, so it's still the Lestranges. He just looks mm-hmm. different to me. Yeah, he's, it, some time has passed. Okay. They've given her, him a more mature look. Well, yeah, he didn't, like in the first films, he looks very jaded and angry. And this person looks very happy and content. Mm-hmm. Not content, but he didn't have that same I thought level he had a of good, serious internal struggle. Yeah. You know, he seemed, there was, there's something that had changed in him. Okay. So that's Yusuf. I saw two opportunities where Dumbledore could have fought back with Credence, but instead he took kind of like a passive defensive stance. He apparated one point and then he was using a blocking spell rather than like doing something back. Why would he do that? He's the most powerful wizard, right? right? I'm very excited to see him use his full powers and why he's known as like one of the most like magnificent wizards. Voldemort wouldn't stand a chance with him. Mm -hmm. Grindelwald doesn't stand a chance with him. Like he's put up a good fight. Why is Dumbledore so magnificent? And then why would he be using only blocking spells or kind of passive defensive sort of things against Credence? If Credence wasn't, we're spilling some tea. Here's a spoiler. Spoiler alert, people. Yep. We think if Credence wasn't his son, we think Credence is Dumbledore's son, which makes me think, what is Dumbledore's secret? What if he had a wife at one point? No, I think the secret's his son, like Credence being the secret is his son. But like, what do we not know about him? And what is Aberforth going to tell them when they come to ask where Dumbledore is? And everybody's like, he's like, well, I'm his brother. And we see Aberforth like, what is Aberforth about to tell them? Like, did Dumbledore have this whole secret life? Well, to get back to your earlier point, I think the reason Dumbledore was holding back massively is because Mm -hmm. he's now finally accepting the fact that this is his kid. Yeah. And knowing the way his younger sister passed away, Ariana, was by 
him using a spell that bounced off of Grindelwald and killed his sister. I think he's more conscientious about how well he uses his spells and knows when and how to hold back because his intent isn't to hurt Credence. His intent is to enlighten and say, hey, what do you know? What have you been told? Let's, you know, let's meet in the middle (laughs) because Credence is coming in hot, super angry. I think Dumbledore has answers and is trying to ease his way into that conversation by holding back the way he does. I do think it's very true in Dumbledore's character with how he he knows how to interact with young wizards mm-hmm. who are just coming into their power or are angry. There's this whole passage in book five of the Harry Potter series where Harry is in Dumbledore's office at the end and he is really upset that Sirius is dead and he is angry at Dumbledore and he keeps it keeps describing like how he wants to like hurt Dumbledore and Dumbledore just keeps diffusing 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 the situation Mm -hmm. fully in control it's just very true to his character but he does that with like people that he cares about I agree I don't know that was really interesting seeing Aberforth make the appearance though I was very impressed because this particular actor, the last time I saw him in something was he was cast as Father Blackwell in Sabrina the Teenage Witch on Netflix and oh. having him in those dark roles. Mm-hmm. He played a villain in the Sabrina series, but to see him as Aberforth and I was like, oh, they're going to humanize him. I want to see this. Yeah. I'm really excited to see Aberforth's character come to life and see that backstory. Yeah, to see what his relationship with Dumbledore is like like mm-hmm. what they probably have some beef they do massive you know, beef what is that what happened i also wonder too we did a lot of research onto why we think who we think credence parentage is but what if they don't follow oh, reason what if they just do whatever they want to do and it is his brother and they just do this whole thing and it doesn't match up are we going to be okay with that and <laughs> just go with it because we're going to know that it doesn't make any sense Right. I mean, and I don't think it's just us. I think the fans would be upset too, knowing that Aberforth Catronus is a goat and that doesn't align with what we're thinking Credence's Patronus is, which is, I'm assuming that Credence's Patronus is a phoenix and Albus Dumbledore's Patronus would also be a phoenix or we know is a phoenix. And if Potter history follows suit, James and Harry both had a, a stag. For their Patronus. So if we're following Patronus history here, Credence belongs to Albus, not Aberforth. But it also is if it's like your soulmate, because Snape Mm -hmm. and Lily Potter, they had the same Patronus because they were soulmates. Mm Mm-hmm right? They both had a doe. So what if the Patronus that we're thinking, what if it's Grindelwald's? What if his Patronus is a phoenix and so is Dumbledore because they were soulmates? I think with the phoenix finding Credence, Grindelwald was standing right there. So it could have been finding him. In the first scene though, when Credence finds a bird, not realize, remember that little baby bird Mm -hmm. when he first found him, it was just Credence by himself when he found that baby bird. This was the scene in Paris when it was just Credence and Nagini and this little baby bird presents itself oh okay so that's why i think you know the family history of a phoenix presenting itself to a dumbledore i think it was presenting itself to credence first i really want us to be right i know i know such a realist i'm like they're just gonna do something crazy i really want to know like what's the secret Mm -hmm. what's dumbledore's secret probably the backstory on how credence was conceived and we have all those theories too we have all those theories (laughs) i think it was really funny i'm 
very excited that we're going to see the inside of Hogwarts a little bit more. And I loved in the trailer, how Jacob's like, I got it for Christmas, the wand. And then (laughs) the last thing we hear is like Dumbledore says three points to Hufflepuff to Newt when they're all standing there. Cause like once a teacher at Hogwarts, always a teacher at Hogwarts. Right. Kind of sticks with you. Yeah. Exciting stuff. I mean, I feel like we are on the right track. You know, just the fact like when the trailer came out, it said the secrets of Dumbledore. I'm like, okay, Dumbledore has a secret. Yeah. (laughs) And then the movie's called The Secrets of Dumbledore. So that was pretty exciting. You know, we could be on the right track. I hope so. Um, Did you catch any of the locations of where this third movie takes place? We see a lot of Hogwarts. Mm Mm-hmm. And I I mean, it looked kind of like London to me, but I don't know. So as I was zooming in on the trailer, watching it frame by frame, (laughs) you will see signage in Portuguese, which leads to Brazil and the magical school in Brazil. Oh, what's that one called? The Brazilian wizarding school, Castelo Brujo, was the Brazilian wizarding school located amid the Amazon rainforest in northern Brazil. It accepted students from all over South America. That's so cool. Right? But there were a bunch of scenes in the trailer saying Chief Supreme, and it was in Portuguese. So the yellow oh. signage, minor Easter egg. From what I've watched, it's in Brazil thus far. Yeah, I would have never caught that. I'm not yeah. zooming in on each frame like you, but... <laughs> Also, did you catch Grindelwald taking a memory from Yusuf? Yes, I did see that. Okay. Did you see Grindelwald in this pool of water? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that's a giant pensive and he's trying to look into the memory that he extracted from Yusuf. What memory do you think it is? See, that's what I'm wondering. Is he trying to find Dumbledore's location and or to see where the blood pact is to see if Yusuf has any knowledge because that's what's missing. Grindelwald knows that blood pact that was on him is now missing and he doesn't know where it is, but he now has somebody from Dumbledore's team who might know where it is and how to get it back. But doesn't he have visions and he sees things and he can right? find things? Yeah. So what memory is he trying to get? That's Maybe he hit. can't see, he can't see in the past. He can only see in the future. I don't know. That's a good point. Very good point. But for Grindelwald to have the need to extract a memory, that's, that's probably a really good storyline to look forward to overall super epic trailer as far as trailers go i feel like i just watched a movie just in a trailer but in a good way where you you can't wait for the movie i mean we've been waiting a long time for this movie and i think it's going to be well worth the wait because we're going to get a lot of answers you see newt and theseus in the cave Mm -hmm. he's doing the the crab dance yeah and i was wondering what creatures is he dancing with like i see little crabs but what kind of crabs are they they're fire crabs and then out of nowhere you see this like mean tail like giant tail come out and try to attack Theseus and Newt. And I was trying to figure out, oh, what, you know, creature are they protecting? Or, you know, what new creature are we going to see here? The internet was thinking it's a blast ended screw, but Hagrid developed that breed. Oh, so that hasn't happened yet. Right. So I was like, okay, what is it? What is it? And I was thinking it could be a manticore, but manticores are native to Greece. Hmm. So we'll see. But I was, because I heard the growl come out and I was like, oh, that could be a manticore. So I'm very excited to see where they take all these new creatures in the Fantastic Beast movie. Yeah. Wouldn't that be funny if there's like a Witcher crossover? It's like jumps out and then all of a sudden, Henry Cavill comes in with the sword, cuts off its head. That would just blow my ever-loving fangirl mind. Right. Fun fact, though. Do you know what role Henry Cavill auditioned for in the Harry Potter series? When he was younger? Yeah. Was it Cedric? Yes. 
Ooh, yeah, because they're looking for somebody really handsome, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And and lost out to Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. Yeah. It's very handsome. <laughs> right. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Totally epic. Oh, and trailer. then the trailer ends with a giant phoenix, right? You know, coming out of water. So I can't help but think that that also ties into our theory of the Tychododonis prophecy. The wings from the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wings from the water. Yeah. So holding out hope folks. Okay. So here's the part of the show where we spill the tea. We are talking spoilers. We are talking the Harry Potter reunion that was on HBO max that aired on New Year's Day, January 1st, 2022. Okay, so I loved seeing Harry, Ron, and Hermione together again, (laughs) even just as their real selves. Mm -hmm. It's just was something that was so satisfying and feels like you're coming home, just the most familiar thing in the world. Um, And I really like how they structured this reunion and how the interviews coincided. They did it in like chapters. So those chapters like one through four, and then they did the first two movies and the second two then the third two and the final two and interviewed each director and really got into the inner workings of making those films and it's just fascinating that these kids literally grew up being on a movie set and something interesting that Emma and Rupert were talking about to each other is that it was hard to tell where the character stopped and the real them began and Rupert even said he's like my name didn't even feel like my name he's like I was more Ron than I was Rupert like, I mean that's so interesting yeah the thing that caught me off guard the conversation between Emma and Rupert that caught me the most off guard was them talking about quitting halfway through the series like they both yeah. had thoughts of just leaving and the fame and everything was starting to get to them just constantly yeah. being watched and being child stars and them talking about their mental health and how all of it was just very overwhelming. And that never crossed my mind. It was these three were destined to play these characters. And mm-hmm. I could never imagine any of them ever being recasted ever in the history of ever. No. Yeah. And they were so good at what they did that when that conversation came up and I was like, oh yeah, I bet that was a very overwhelming thing to go through. And I'm so glad that they stuck it out. But seeing that very humanizing conversation between the two of them, mm-hmm. I was just I felt it. Oh, I feel so insensitive as a fan to not, you know, appreciate their privacy and all the hard work that they put into it, knowing that they were going through those things. Yeah. Cause when you're eight years old and you sign on to a movie like this, you don't, you don't really that. know what you're signing up for. Yeah. And you're in this world and you're very protected. And then as you get older, you're realizing like, oh, everyone's going to always know who I am forever. Mm -hmm. And that's got to be kind of mind blowing. And when they were thinking about that, it was after the fourth movie, when the movies are kind of transitioning to like coming of age to like, now we're kind of adults. Yeah. And it's this coming of age, like, is this something I really want in my life? But another thing that they said is that because the people on the movies that they were working with, everyone was so wonderful and so kind and so supportive. Mm -hmm. And there's so many other kids going through this too. Like, yes, they were the three main characters, like, but so many other kids, like you're with a bunch of kids, you're growing up together with this, your schoolmates, your colleagues, like there was probably a lot of support and comfort in that. And they didn't feel alone and they had each other. Right. You know? So, but yeah, it was probably like, they woke up one day realizing like, oh my gosh, this is just always going to be how it is. And that was probably at the height of the popular. I mean, it was always popular, but just midway through, Mm -hmm. you know, after the fourth movie, they're like, oh man. But yeah, I mean, that makes sense. It was, yeah, it was really emotional to see the actors talking to each other and, you know, getting to hear them reminisce about the experience of doing a movie for 10 years. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So Robbie Coltrane saying that he spent more time with them than his own children was like right. kind of a sobering thought you I know? Agree. and they, and they dedicated their you know, good portion of their life, 10 mm-hmm. years yeah. for Emma Watson. Like she got the role when she was eight. I think the other two were a little bit older than her okay. and for to be a child. And then when you're done to be an adult, mm-hmm. like all, you know, that is your whole life. So there's like so much to think about. You're done. I loved them getting into how each director was different and what they brought to the movie and the vibe they brought to the set, you know, just the energy that was Mm -hmm. on the set. And like the last few films was the same director Mm -hmm. and he kind of had more of like a serious vibe, artistic vibe. And it was definitely felt in the movies that it was supposed to be that way because it's like, gets darker and darker as it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so interesting. Another thing I thought was interesting is that every time they panned to JK Rowling's interview, they made sure to show us like this was in 2019. She wasn't invited because we don't like her right now, basically is what they're saying. Right. I don't know if she wasn't invited or she didn't want to be included or if Warner Brothers said, hey, it's probably best if you're not included. What are your thoughts? I have no idea what the conversation was, but they made a very solid point of showing when the conversations were recorded. And I think it was snippets from Fantastic Beasts interviews and or Harry previous Harry Potter legacy interviews as well. Yeah, it said like the London tour or something. Perfect. Yeah. Underneath. Yeah. There has been a lot of controversies. She kind of takes the cake on that subject. Yeah. She kind of does take the cake on that, which sucks because, you know, she created that and it would have been nice to have her in there more. But I mean, this was kind of more of a celebration for me. I felt like of the movies Rather than the books, obviously it was adapted from the books, but this Mm -hmm. was more about the making of the movies, not so much the writing of the books. Right. And we've had like plenty of interviews and plenty of, you know, specials on JK Rowling and her sitting down with Daniel Radcliffe at one point at the, you know, when the movies were finishing up. And this was really about focused on the reunion of who was on set, who was, who was in these movies making the movies. So that part of it, and I loved seeing Helena Bonham Carter with Daniel Radcliffe. And then she like read this note that he wrote to her and she was reading it while wearing her fake teeth that she wore as Bellatrix and how he like kind of made it past at her. Like as if I was 10 years older and she's like, this note is in my toilet at home. Like it hangs in my bathroom at home. (laughs) She's just great. She's her acting. She's just wild. It's kind of genius. I love the commentary between the two of them. It was the coolest slash funniest thing to watch because he was very bashful admitting that he had a crush on her. Yeah. And very slightly flirtatious. The commentary between the two of them just made me wonder, oh, I would have loved to be a fly on the wall to see this take place just to see him get shy. But also I loved how they all talked about real acting and mm-hmm. how they were around all these legends. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, today we're going to really act. <laughs> Give us some great yeah. pointers, guys. We're here for it. And he would always try and get those real acting moments from Helena Bottom Carter. And I was just like, oh, right in the feels. You're being yeah. so cute right now. Talk about having like the best acting classes of your life to be right. a master class. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because we know who Emma Watson had a crush on was clearly Tom Felton and how she, she talked about, I love that she talked about it and we know who Daniel Radcliffe had a crush on, but like, did Rupert Grant even care? My favorite thing that happened is when I think it was in one of the second or third movie, the director that was on there gave them an assignment to write an yes. essay and like Emma Watson 
wrote like 12 pages, Daniel Radcliffe, like turned in an assignment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rupert was like, well, I didn't do it because he said to do it in character and Ron probably wouldn't have done it. Right. So I didn't do it. <laughs> so smart. <laughs> the director just accepted that from him. He's like, yeah, well, that is true because Ron wouldn't have done it. No, no like, not at uh, all. No. I think Ron can barely pass his owls. So that was so impressive. And I was like, give this kid his Oscar now. I know. What a smooth move. Yeah, he was just Ron, like, through and through. I mean, but all the characters were just perfectly cast. And, like, even Emma Watson was, I'm Hermione. I am Mm -hmm. her. That's who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Can I tell you how one of the most shocking moments, I think, was seeing how many actors slash crew members had passed away since production ended. Yeah. It never crossed my mind. And I mean, I only remember like, remembered about a handful because they were staples. But then as I was going through the list, rewatching the whole screen and the beautiful, the beautiful tribute that they did Mm -hmm. to the cast and crew that have passed away and contributed Mm -hmm. their lives to this production. I mean, we had Narcissa Malfoy, just Helen McCrory, Uncle Vernon, Richard Griffiths, mm-hmm. you, know, you have Alan Rickman, yeah, you know, perfect Snape, Richard Harris, who was the OG Dumbledore. Yeah. But then you have Vern Troyer, mini me. Yeah, that's right. Who played grip hook and Warwick Davis voiced his character until Vern Troyer passed away and then stepped into the role. Had no idea about that. You know? oh then you had Robert Hardy who played minister of magic, Cornelius Fudge, mm-hmm. John Hurt. I totally forgot about, but yes, Ollivander, oh, um, that's right. Dave Legano, who played Fenrir Greyback, you know, oh. the werewolf mm-hmm. who, who basically created Lupin's character. Mm-hmm. That's how Lupin became a werewolf. Yeah. And then you have Hazel Douglas who played Bethilda Backshot. Yeah. Best creepiest silent character ever. The creepiest. Yes. yes. I was amazed by the overall tribute and had to do some more research, but I was thoroughly impressed with how many people had contributed. Amazing actors had contributed their life to this production. I can't believe that I didn't know that Kenneth Branagh was um, Lockhart. <laughs> yeah. I learned that what last, last week, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know who was originally casted as Gilderoy Lockhart? No. Who? Hugh Grant. And then he had uh, to back out. Maybe you did tell me this before. It sounds he had to back out. Why? Production scheduling. Hmm. I think he would have been too big of an actor. I mean, he was such a nineties heartthrob. Right. But maybe but that's it, why they did it because they wanted like some, you know, washed up heartthrob or something <laughs> to play the role. But Kenneth Brandon did a really good job. I didn't remember he did. him. He did. I don't know about you, but I was trying to keep it together big time. I could not handle seeing the three of them cry as the whole series was wrapping up and the three of them were crying. I was like, keep it together. Be strong. That was rough. Yeah. I, it's like you're leaving summer camp for the last time and you mm-hmm. have graduated out of it and you are not a kid anymore. Kind and of then like, yeah, they cut to the scene of Robbie Coltrane crying, like the blubbering lip. And I was like, oh no, here, here it comes. Yeah. And next thing you know, all three of us or all four of us are slightly wiping a tear <laughs> and we're like, we're fine. We're yeah. fine. <laughs> that for sure. Like hit me hard. And this is the audience they wanted to reach. <laughs> and I mean, it just goes to show how beloved the series is. You know, it's, it's touched so many people's lives. It's a way that so many people bond together or that have gotten them through things. And they talked about that in the reunion, Mm -hmm. you know, and how, you know, Rupert, Emma and Daniel were talking about just the fact that they've been able to contribute to the happiness of all these people. And just to give this story to so many people and to be a part of it was just, they loved that Mm -hmm. and how the showing of the people that were kind of outcasts 
Yes. In those roles like Luna and Neville, it made other people not feel alone because they could see themselves in these sort of characters. Right. I was kind of bummed that uh, Maggie Smith couldn't make an appearance. She's probably filming a Downton Abbey movie or something. That could have been it. She's so busy. She's just doing all kinds of things. Right. But I was just like, oh, no McGonagall. That was the only slight downside, but um, to cater to your argument, she probably was really busy filming Downton Abbey. Keep doing what you do, Maggie Smith. We we appreciate you. Yeah, she's amazing. I have some Harry Potter trivia if you want some. Harry Potter trivia. Okay. What year did the first book come out in the UK? 1997. Ooh, good job. Okay. (laughs) Which producer worked on all of the films? So David Heyman, Mark Radcliffe, David Barron, or Chris Columbus? I'm just going to go with David Heyman. Good job. There we go. Which famous director turned down the films? Steven Spielberg. Good job. Did I get it? Yeah. Wow. When did shooting begin on the first film? What year? 2000. Yes. Oh, I'm on a roll. Yes, dude. What did Rupert Grint do on his audition tape? So we have rode a skateboard, performed a magic trick, did a cartwheel, or rapped? I'm going to say magic trick. He rapped. He rapped. I need, this, I need a video of that. Right? What kind of owl played Hedwig? So we've got barred owl, snowy owl, tawny owl, or elf owl. Snowy owl? There we go. What was Voldemort's costume made out of? We have silk, lace, recycled bottles, or rubber cement. It looked kind of like silk to me. Yep. That brushed silk. Good eye. Interesting. What item was used to help the actors do scenes with Dobby? We got a dog, a lacrosse stick. A small ball or a robot? A robot? A small ball. A small ball. Okay. What song did Gary Ullman teach Daniel Radcliffe to play on the bass guitar while they were on set together? Under Pressure by David Bowie and Queen. Close. What Close. is it? The Beatles Come Together. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I just immediately, when you said bass guitar, I just heard bum, 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 oh, bum right. in my head. <laughs> What's true about Professor Umbridge's pink outfits? A, they turn deeper pink as she gets darker as a character. They become invisible. They contain strands of feathers or they were completely made of CGI. They get darker. Yes. What county is the film studio in? So we've got Surrey, Essex, Kent, or Hertfordshire. Surrey? Hertfordshire. I would have never guessed that. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know any of these things. I'm guessing everything. And you're doing great. (laughs) And last question. Where was the London premiere of the final film located? So we've got London premiere. Yes. So (laughs) there's specific locations. Let me break it down to you. So was it in Trafalgar Square, King's Cross Station, Leavesden Studios, or the London Bridge? I have no idea. Okay. It was Trafalgar Square. Yeah. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Thank you for participating in my Harry Potter trivia. Those are really, good questions, right? Super fun. I got a magazine from target. That was special edition. Oh, fun. And a lot of it actually covered stuff that was in the reunion. So that's so cool. Yeah. And now it is time for the fangirl spotlight of the week. Fangirls podcast is now on Etsy. Our shop has a variety of original custom made fandom inspired artwork in digital download form, including fandoms like Outlander, Bridgerton, Harry Potter, and Marvel. We are offering 10% off our Etsy store with the code fangirl. The link to our store and all the information will be in the show notes. 
Visit our website to see all that the fangirls are up to. Look out for a new blog post every month. We put together a fun fandom-inspired shopping guide called The Fangirls' Favorite Things. We do have a Harry Potter edition that is already up on the blog. All the information will be in the show notes. Fangirls Podcast is brought to you by Believe Podcast Network, and we want to take a moment and thank you for tuning into our podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so that we can reach more people. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear all of our latest episodes. We love hearing from our listeners. We really do. So give us a follow on Instagram at the fangirls podcast and Twitter at the underscore fan underscore girls and like our community page on Facebook to join the conversation. See you next time. See you next time. We here at the fangirls podcast are not affiliated with the following JK Rowling's wizarding world, the Harry Potter universe, Universal Studios, HBO Max. Okay. Just really big fans. I'm a Ravenclaw, in case anyone was wondering. I'm a Gryffindor. Ah, you know what? Griffin puffed. Who am I kidding? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.